Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for HBO's The Last of Us. No way! Electric stairs? Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club uh, for HBO's The Last of Us, Episode 7, titled Left Behind, directed by Liza Johnson. Special thanks, as always, to our partners at Crave and HBO for letting us watch this series early in advance. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series, uh, but not the games, but if you still haven't watch this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back faster than a fresh, hungry runner. Now, before we all become masters of Mortal Kombat 2, let me introduce you to my player 2 and fellow survivor. He's, uh, sorry, he's taller than a bloater. Uh, I got caught up in his his tallness, Uh, and he's certainly an Ellie toter. He's Justin the Joel Lovin' Lawrence. Yo, yo, what's going on? Yo, yo, we got more Back Last of Us. Are you ready to, to chat about all things DLC downloadable content, my friend? Oh, this this definitely felt like a side mission. So, yeah, yeah? I'm, uh, I'm ready to <laughs> chat about it. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's 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 the DLC to the to this series, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we kind of already got a little bit of that with with like a, a, a unknown DLC when without when episode three dropped. But um but Justin, this episode we get to see the the four or five wonders of the mall. Um, I wanted to know before we get into anything here, what would be like one of your wonders of the mall? What's one thing you've always found you know fascinating when you would go to the mall? Um, so you're talking about like now, right? Not like in it could be whenever. It could be whenever you want. It could just something that you think is a wonder of the mall. Well, I guess I, I guess the biggest wonder for me was always Apple stores. Um, I always mm-hmm. loved going to a mall and finding the Apple store and, and seeing what it was like. Um, and, you know, they, they had a bit of a period of time there where whenever you went to a different store, it was or a different mall in, in the U.S. or anywhere in the world. It's different. Um, some were flagship standalone stores. They were on oh, their yeah. own mall. So, um, so yeah, I, I would always say. Apple stores were always the wonder uh, in in a mall. I was always just like wondering why they're in a mall, uh, while also <laughs> wondering, uh, um, you know, just just how cool the uh, experience is. That and food courts, I guess. Apple stores and food courts. Food courts are always, you know, I'm a foodie. I like food, so it's always yeah. nice to see, you know, what eclectic, diverse collection of food options they have. That one one uh, mall may have in their food court. Um, oh yeah. So I, I I would admire those. As, as do you a ever have like a? Well. Do you ever have an Orange Julius? I think I'm it's a Dairy Queen. Oh okay. Thing. Um, I'm trying to. I think. thought so. I don't know. It tastes like an orange creamsicle, dude. Oh oh no. So then good. I I definitely haven't had it. I hate orange creamsicle stuff. Uh, just gross. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was a fan of um, fuck the polar ice. The polar ice. Have polar you ice. The blue. 
And the oh, red. wow. Like an icy. <laughs> yeah, an icy. That's it. The polar ice with the blue okay, and red. Okay. Like, that's oh, going a little always, further back. I was always a fan of, of the I red ones. Um, I love it. For me, um, I think it would have to be the first time the first time I ever saw adult products in the mall. Um, you know how like, <laughs> okay, let me explain. So you know how like, you know, you get to that age like where. store? Dude, d- you're in my mind right now, Justin. Yeah, okay. How did you, I don't know how you did that. <laughs> I was going to get to it. It was going to be a big reveal, but yes, the it store. Okay, let, backtracking here. So, you know, when, when you, your parents would let you hang out in different stores Right. They let you hang out in different stores and, you know, they go shopping. I was probably about 12 or 13. And there it was the magical store. You'd you'd never go into it to buy things. You would just go in to look similar to Spencer's, um, if you know what Spencer's is. But this dude, this place, this was called the it store. And it had the stupidest gag gifts. They sold prosthetics for Halloween. You could buy colored contacts there. Um, you could get like naughty fake, cards, naughty fake like ashes. Well, no, no. So this is how it worked though, right? Like you start off at the front of the store, you buy a box of chocolate covered grasshoppers, which were delicious by the way. Uh, and you see all the weird, you know, mugs and things like that. But as you get deeper and deeper into the store, everything got a little more and more risque to the point where dude, I got to the back of that store. I saw. Didn't they have I a curtain? Every, dude, there was no curtain. I just was walking back there, and you've got your leather lingerie, your nipple covers, your whips. Like, I saw all of it, dude. It was just, it's just and so this weird. Is how, because, like, this is how Nate was exposed to sex. <laughs> for the first time. Wow. Wasn't the internet. Nope. It was all of that. <laughs> Mommy, store. what's this? Um, it just, I thought it was funny because it was, it was, it was this really weird store that felt like it was marketed towards kids at the front of the store, but, but then, then got... It was, it, yeah, it was a yeah. bit naughty towards the back. I remember it's a wonder the, of the rude sort of crude cards that they had. Yeah, I remember <laughs> the It store. I remember it. It was in, it was in our local mall because we're, we're both from the same town. So That's it, man. The It store. Listen, before we leave each other in stitches... Uh, let's get into this week's episode. Uh, so this week's episode kicks off pretty much where we left off from last week, and we see Ellie has managed to drag Joel into an abandoned house. Uh, she's she's kind of parked the horse in the garage, uh, and Joel tells her to leave, take the gun, go north, go to Tommy. Uh, and, and as she reaches for the doorknob to leave, uh, we cut to the sound of All or None by Pearl Jam while Ellie runs laps during P.E., uh, until, that is, she's rudely interrupted by freaking Bethany, uh, who ends up in the infirmary with 15 stitches, uh, and Ellie ends up uh, in Captain Kwong's office. She tells him to, uh, to just put her in the hole, but after three times, he's decided he's got to try something new. He tells her the truth. She's got two paths ahead of her. If she continues to act like a grunt, she'll have the life of a grunt. But if she swallows her pride, follows the rules... She can become an officer, and she can tell the Bethanies of the world exactly where to shove it. He says he cares because they're the only ones holding this all together, and if they go down, the people in this zone will either starve or murder each other. He presents both paths, and Ellie chooses the second path, the keys. Uh, and she then asks if, it's, uh, if that's it, can she have her Walkman back? And after a long stare... Uh, Captain Kwong gives her her Walkman back. So let's pause here for a moment, Justin. Seeing, seeing the humanity in this show on on sort of all fronts, on different sides, and you know we've talked about the the brutality of of the the resistance 
you know, a, a few episodes ago, we've talked about um, the the beautiful aspect of the community in Jackson, um, and we've talked about how terrible Fedra, you know, seems to be. But here we get Captain Kwong, who actually seems like he cares about Ali and cares about the path that she's going down. What did you think of this interaction with with Kwong uh, and Ellie's choice to take the keys? Well, I think, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more but that in later in the episode, but to see Kwong like this, it might just be one of those situations where you have a good person, a part of a bad team, right? Just yeah. like Andor, you know, we were talking about the rebels and, right. and, and the Empire, and, you know, there might be good people on the Empire side that think they're doing right, and maybe mm-hmm. that's very much what Kwong is. He thinks that Fedra is doing good. Um, and in regards to why Ellie would decide to take the keys, uh, to be honest, I was actually kind of surprised because she doesn't seem like someone that would follow rules and go by authority. But right. at this point, we don't know that that Riley is gone and has left for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. But with that in mind and knowing that, it does give different context to this moment as it is clear why Ellie took the path of least resistance. You know, she's still there. Her best friend is gone. Uh, right. So I think she's very much in that mindset of trying to make the best of a shitty situation. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's safe to say Captain Kwong, you know, clearly sees that she's smart and could be doing more and could be doing better if she wasn't so busy trying to prove something to others, others. which we've seen ongoing throughout this this series is her desire to want to like prove herself as you know uh, more than just a kid and that she can take care of herself and you know that she's independent and you know I, I think she's very much prepping herself to be alone because she knows that it's a very likely situation. Um, but yeah, seeing her whip ass was was pretty pretty characteristic too. Yeah, and a kind of a badass. I mean, Bethany is two times her size in this moment. Like mm-hmm. she's so tall. This 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 girl, uh, and and she's the one that needs the the fifteen stitches. Uh, and I thought it was interesting how this episode sort of starts uh, and ends with uh, stitches. Um, yep. But I I will say um, yeah I I hear what you're saying regarding Kwong. Like I think just that line that he says like they'll murder each other. Right, they'll starve or they'll, or they'll murder each other, and that is what happened in Kansas City. Now, mm-hmm. granted, in Kansas City, you know, Fedra tortured those people, so that by the was, sounds of it, yeah. right, that yeah. was like a result of of that situation. But at the same time, in Boston, I mean, you see what happens, you know, between the fireflies, and you see what happens with, you know, uh, I guess like uh, what was the what's that guy's name that that um, tests Robert Robert. Thank you. Um, yeah, so Robert, you know, you see that moment, and clearly, they're they're killing each other, right? They're they're starving in situations, um, and so it's just kind of interesting to see that 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 other side to it. But I like your perspective, Justin, of like, because he really, I mean, he has a really nice haircut, but he also seems like a really nice guy, and you see his family, and you see that he cares for them. Yeah, exactly. He has this picture of his family, total appreciation, and the dude's rocking like a naughty dog. Keys. Did you catch so it? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like it's a dog pod. Like it's the naughty keys, man. The naughty um, keys. He got those at uh, at the it store, I think. He probably, went to the back. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I think I think she's kind of on this path of uh, destruction since Riley left her, and and this is this is a conversation that feels like it's convincing her to be something, right? Mm. And we we don't really like she obviously she loses that, um, but here we see her. I think for the first time in this series, um, for the most part, where she she kind of wants for more, 
Um, and, and she gets a little bit of that advice from Kwong and it kind of sticks with her as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's very much trying to make the best of a shitty situation. I think she's, you know, we'll see it later where she's trying to prove to herself that, eh, it's not so bad. Right. Yeah. But like the, the reality is, is that this is that first step in, in very much her maybe starting to think of herself as an individual rather than being attached to someone. Again, given the fact that at this moment, we don't know that Riley's left her and, and, and stuff like that. So right. it just helps to justify, uh, you know, why it was so easy for her to just kind of take the advice and look at it and say, you know what, maybe he's not wrong. Yeah, maybe it's time that I, I step up. And mm-hmm. I think I think this is obviously this is her before she she, you know, she learns her first real lesson on loss. Uh, and and obviously we we see throughout the series what that does to her. But let's keep going here. Back in Ellie's room, uh, we see her reading Savage Starlight uh, until she gets mm. frustrated and stares at the empty bed from across the room. Uh, and then she hears, lights out, ladies. Uh, we then cut to 1.53 a.m. Uh, and Ellie is fast asleep when all of a sudden ominous music starts playing and someone climbs through the window and covers her mouth. Ellie knocks the intruder to the ground, flips on the light, and flips out her knife, uh, and then realizes it's Riley, who's returned after ghosting her for three weeks. She tells Ellie she joined the Fireflies, um, and uh, she says she'll explain everything, but Ellie has to join her for the best night of her life. So this is our introduction to Riley. What did you think Mm -hmm. of Storm Reed here as Ellie's best friend? Well, you know, one thing that this show has done really, really well is cast its characters. And I think Storm Reed was was perfect. Um, and I love this straight up introduction we get of her. Uh, you know, much like Ellie, Riley is, is a wise, wise ass, smart mouth yeah. kid who I think knows better, um, but acts tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is obviously why they are best friends. So I think I think even in this moment of the introduction, you know, Storm matched Bella's performance beautifully and and it played uh, very Very authentic authentic. and it really did feel like they were best friends because their personalities match so well absolutely well she embodies Riley right away and I love how she's instantly ready to go to war for Ellie's Mm -hmm. black eye like give me a name and I'll fuck him up uh and and then I love how she's like it was Bethany and I already fucked her up like you're (laughs) right they're so perfect for each other um and she you know I think you you instantly get the impression that she's the only one that could ever tell Ellie what to do. You know what I mean? And I think there's that, that level of confidence that, um, that is, is portrayed from Storm Reed here that I think really, really works. I also I want to shout out a couple of things that I loved uh, in this scene, if you don't mind. Uh, the music here that's playing um, is from the game. Uh, Gustavo uh, pulls, pulls it right from the game. It's a track called Left Behind Together. Uh, and it's a really, really beautiful theme that's shared with both characters. It's not just an Ellie theme. It's not just a Riley theme. It's an it's Ellie and Riley theme. theme. It's, it's their, their theme. theme. Yeah. Um, and I love I love themes for things. I, any, anytime a character has a theme. Um, and then all the Easter eggs in Ellie's room. Of course, we have, no pun intended, the first book titled mm-hmm. This Otter Be Volume Good. Volume one? Yeah, <laughs> this exactly. This Otter Be Good by Will <laughs> This Winston. Otter Be Good. <laughs> um, and then we have the Inner Space poster, 1987 movie from uh, director Joe Dante or Dante, uh, starring Dennis Quaid, Martin Short, and Meg Ryan. Have you seen Inner Space? I've never seen Inner Space before. Is that never one you've watched? It. we got to no. watch it. we got to watch it now. Uh, Mortal Kombat 2 poster, obviously. Uh, and then I wanted to call out one really, really cool thing that I, I thought I just, 
I was like, I had to look it up. But on the back of her Savage Starlight comic uh, is the word uh, negentropy, negentropy, um, which negentropy is the reverse of entropy. Uh, and it means things becoming more in order, right? It means things becoming more structured. Hmm. And as opposed to the opposite of entropy, which is randomness or chaos. Um, and so one of the examples that's given for the dictionary definition of negentropy is a star system such as the solar system, which again ties into Ellie's love of space. But I also love that detail because Ellie's life here in this moment as she's reading this comic book was about to become more in order. But then entropy enters the room mm-hmm. and stirs up a bit of chaos. And that's exactly what Ellie was missing uh, from her life in that moment. So I just I love the these little tiny details and it's just like the game like it's it's the idea that if you really want to dig into this show and really like pick apart all the little things that are happening in the in the background and all the little visuals um you can add more to your experience and i don't know i just i just wanted to call that out because i was like what is that word (laughs) yeah no and I, i think that this episode you know plays really hard to the dlc and to to the game which as we go through the rest of this episode i don't know if that works to its advantage of like actually appreciating the story interesting okay okay i'm intrigued to hear your thoughts around that um but let's keep going here almost uh immediately uh they they almost get caught as soon as they 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 leave the the room uh and riley tells ellie she can't fight everything and everyone Uh, and they enter through a damn window as they discover a dead body down a hallway a body that wasn't there previously while inspecting the body, they consider he may have killed himself with the bottle and some pills. Uh, the body falls through the broken floor, and Ellie nearly falls with it. They take a few swigs of the booze. Ellie handles Riley's sidearm, uh, and then Riley lets her know that Marlene was impressed by her ability to sneak around. Riley told her, uh, you know, told Marlene what she really thinks of Fedra, and Marlene told her that she's in. She can be a firefly. After a bit of rooftop hopping, they arrive at the mall where Ellie tells, uh, where, sorry, where Riley tells Ellie she's about to experience the four wonders of the mall until Ellie gets so excited about the escalator that it becomes the five wonders of the mall. So these moments leading up to the mall, uh, you know, really, I think, lead to uh, a really interesting back and forth between Ellie and Riley. What do you think about their juxtaposing views on Fedra uh, and the Fireflies? Well, this is what I was talking about earlier. Like, it's the reality of any situation. We've we've seen it even with the pandemic that everyone has a side. Yes to masks, no to masks. Yes to vaccines, no to vaccines. You know, there's others always against others in, in any situation. And in this case, for The Last of Us, it's clear Fedra is corrupt. But who's to say that fireflies aren't? You know, right. this all reminds me of, of Andor, where we see bad guys that could have some decent good intentions, but just and believe that what they're doing is good mm-hmm. versus, you know, uh, good people making bad decisions for the betterment of good. So, you know, Fedra, like like we were saying in, in earlier episodes, like Fedra has been talked about a lot as as having some shadiness. And we've seen some of that shadiness, don't get me wrong, but more of their their mystique is built around just 
talking. We've, we're hearing a lot more about Fedra being this, you know, corrupt and all these things of, of people and taking advantage of the situation. And I, I don't doubt that that's not, not true. We haven't visually seen it. We're just hearing about it. And right. We understand. And then on the other side, we understand that the Fireflies are, are radicalists that blow shit up and mm-hmm. sort of like terrorists. But they're, you know, as she, I think she will say probably later, or maybe she says it here, you know, she refers to them as freedom fighters. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like it's again, it's just a point of perspective. Everyone has a difference of opinion. And I think what we're really hammering out here is like Riley believes in, in the position of, of the Fireflies in, 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 contra- in contrast to, to Fedra, whereas I think Ellie doesn't have very much of a, of a choice. Right. And I think as you know, she was kind of abiding to to uh, Captain Kwong's advice in, in the previous scene, we see her here kind of trying to validate maybe if she doesn't fully believe it, that, you know, it is it is what it is. Right. Right. So I, I think the whole situation is obviously very what we would see now and what we have seen in our current world with just people taking sides. But mm-hmm. obviously with with extremes, as, as Juan says, like if Fedra wasn't there, these people would kill each other. So you'd probably have a resistance where people are just murdering people. But you have an example like Jackson where Fedra's of not course, involved. Jackson, okay, but the, and, and, and I works. totally agree with you. Jackson, yeah. it, as she says, it it actually works. I totally yeah. agree. I, I think that is the that is the future that I would hope for for right. all of us if something like this would happen. But again, it's all about point of perspective because again, Jackson has the right perspective. They are a beacon of hope, and they're trying to build something. So yeah, I just think it all ties back to the broader message of the of this series. But I also like, you know, on a smaller scale, I really like the theme that they keep going with in the show of opposites attract, right? You know, in the QZ, Joel Joel wasn't the one taking charge. Tess was, right? Mm-hmm. With Bill and Frank, Frank convinces this curmudgeonly man to let him into his house, let him into his heart. And here we see Ellie, you know, starting to tell herself that she needs to be on this captain's path. And you have Riley, who's taking charge, trying to show her a different way. And so I just like the I like these these relationships and how they all sort of mirror each other in, in some ways. Uh, and, and that idea that, yes, of course, you know, yeah, Riley and and Ellie have a lot of similarities. But at the same time, some of these more core fundamentals in terms of their beliefs on, on these two specific um, parts of their lives. It's, it's just intriguing to sort of see how it sort of mirrors the other relationships in the show. I don't know. I thought that was kind of nice. Um, and then I also wanted to shout out. Ellie, we learn about Ellie's eyebrow. Um, they have a quick throwaway line where it's like, could have been a 7-Eleven situation. And she's like, no, I'd like to keep my other eyebrow in one piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was a nice little sort of additive to some storytelling there. Um, the Firefly's motto is visually represented a couple times in this episode. Um, when you're lost in the darkness, look for the light. And there's a quip about how Firefly lights are better, right? She yeah. makes that joke. And then I love Ellie's line there where she's like, Hooray for the anarchists. Like It was yeah. just so good. But then also once they're inside the mall, just as Ellie's flashlight stops working, right? She's, she's lost in the darkness. Riley turns on the lights for her. She's literally showing her the light, the freedom that she could have if she left Fedra. Um, and it's just, again, it's one of those little details that I thought was just really poetic in terms of, again, an unintentional thing that Riley was doing, but it, it very much fits with, with what the theme the yeah. fireflies and what the you know the theme of the episode dawn of the wolf part two shout out to dawn of the wolf part two for being a great ripoff of twilight uh i wanted to call out ellie 
for climbing up the stairs and being upset about it <laughs> after all the shit that she gives Joel and Tess for being old. And it's like, mm-hmm. Ellie, like, come on. <laughs> you literally, you know, a few months earlier. Um, and then I also wanted to shout out the music here. I felt it got a little Stranger Things for a minute. Did mm-hmm. you feel a little bit of a Stranger Things vibe from this episode? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I think they went with that for more of a nostalgic purpose. Yeah. Lean into the vibe of a flashback episode. So I think it worked. Totally. And fun fact here, you know, we we haven't gotten to uh, the infected yet, but Pat Fode, uh, who does the prosthetics makeup for this show, also worked on uh, House of the Dragon and he worked on Vecna in uh, Stranger Things. Oh, interesting. It's a little Stranger Things tie in here let's keep going here while they're exploring the mall we learn the people raided the mall when the uh when the outbreak began and most of them stole sneakers instead of soap or lingerie riley laughs as she says she could never imagine ellie wearing any ellie pauses for a moment in front of the glass uh in front of the lingerie store window and she fixes her hair uh and then they come to the first real wonder of the mall uh, a real working carousel the moment is magical, and after a few swigs from the bottle, uh, the ride stops, and Ellie asks Riley if she really thinks the Fireflies can liberate this place. She asks her to come back, um, saying, you know, they could, be, they could be running things. Riley lets her know that Captain Kwong gave her sewage detail as an assignment, uh, and Riley says Ellie is the, is the one thing she misses from her time at Fedra. Uh, they go to the next wonder, a photo booth that Riley has saved a $5 bill for, uh, and they don't know how it works, but I love how they sort of figure it out uh, as they take more photos. It's kind of like, I think, anyone and everyone's first experience with one of those photo booths. It's always, wait, did it did it, did it take the picture? Is it, is it going? Like, what's happening? Um, so, you know, before we get to the fourth wonder, uh, Justin, what did you think of these, these picture-perfect po- moments uh, brought to life here? And um, why do you think Ellie paused in front of the lingerie store? Okay, so the the picture the picture perfect moments were were exactly that. I, I loved the the way that we were able to see them, you know, the relationship that they have and, mm-hmm. and them sort of bonding and also conversing about what's right and what's wrong in in, in, the, in the larger scale. Um, I loved the carousel moment and seeing that that was that was probably the highlight of the episode uh, versus what we'll see next. But um, yeah, her standing in front of the mirror. Well, obviously it was to do a hair check. You know, come on. Um, but at the same time, I do think that her Riley's remarks, um, it kind of has her thinking, you know, what can she do to be desired by, by Riley? And if, if, if Riley says, oh, I could never imagine you in something like that, that means that Riley's picturing her and that, you know, it's kind of the first indication of, well, does she think about me as more than just a friend yeah right and I, I think that that's that's inherently like very crush like you know what i mean so I, I it was kind of a cute moment so you know again i i the 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 benefit of this this entire episode is, is definitely the dynamic of these two um and seeing their relationship and and you know as you were saying mirrored to something like episode three where we see uh an opposite attract situation between uh bill and frank and how their relationship worked in 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 relation to something like this like even though there's generations between bill and frank and riley right. and ellie there's there's a lot of parallels that still align so I, I i appreciate that they're they're at least keeping that in mind as they you know navigate us through this very very uh real play-by-play of the dlc <laughs> yeah absolutely well and it's again it's that idea of the 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 love that you can't have 
right? The love that you can't have or that you don't think you can have. Uh, and I think that's really what's happening. And, and you're absolutely right. She wants to feel desired. And I think, I think, you know, she doesn't care how the world views her at all. She's never cared she cares how the world Riley views her. Though. She cares yeah. how Riley sees her. And I think that's really lovely. Um, not all the little things that I try to look for in the background of these scenes uh, pay pay off. I spent like a half an hour trying to figure out what Hamblin the drink that they're drinking, what what drink that is, if it had any relation to anything. Um, so Hamblin whiskey, Hamblin uh, was a singing cowboy star in the 1920s um, who was also a recovered alcoholic who uh, stopped drinking after a tent conversion show from uh, Christian evangelist Billy Graham. Uh, doesn't really mean anything for this show. I just thought I would. I just thought I would point that out because I took so long to look it up. I guess cowboys. I don't know. Um, maybe or maybe the fact that she's, you know, Riley is trying to convert her. I'm not going to say. OK, OK. Lie. Into a, into a Christian, into a, into a Christian firefly, into a firefly, <laughs> into a firefly. <laughs> right. And, you know. OK. You OK. Know, it might, well, it, you might you might have something there if you hey, think about I'll it. I'll take it, Justin. That, <laughs> that's very much the the ongoing dialogue. Like the mm -hmm. two are definitely you know, getting the sense or vibe of where each other are, right? You know, while they also obviously have feelings that they're not necessarily acknowledging, mm -hmm. they are trying to see, you know, what's what does the future hold for them? Yeah. And how can I how can I how can I almost pre convince the other person before I ask them? Ask them, exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, pre pre predetermine it. And then, okay, this one I felt a little better about, okay? The song that plays uh, from the carousel is the, uh, do you ever, oh, you've got a new baby. Um, mm -hmm. Do you do you ever play the Rockabye Baby music? It's amazing. Like, it's like the pop pop songs that are covered, and it's like baby music. Oh, Rockabye. No, I haven't I haven't played that. No. Okay, dude, I'm yeah. going to send you a few playlists. I, sometimes I'll listen to fall, to fall Asleep like a big yeah. baby. Um, but Rockabye Baby, they did a cover of uh, uh, Just Like Heaven by the cure mm. and that's mm. what's playing out of the carousel here and with this show i feel like all the music is intentional for every single moment uh and so while i'm sure you know craig mazin or neil Druckmann or liza johnson would have a better explanation a more poignant explanation if you will um mm. i was thinking well for ellie right this moment is just like heaven and she doesn't know it yet but she's the cure uh, right am i right like, come on. That's pretty good. All right. I, I'll give it to you. I'll yes. give it to you. Okay. Another point. Your, your, your day of distractions definitely paid <laughs> off for that one. But Amazing. also the last one too, actually. What am I saying? The last one was, I doubt that that was like the the reason why they chose that <laughs> day for the whiskey. But you could you could say that she's trying to convert her. So yeah, good good on you for, okay. for doing your digging. Thank you. I did my, my sleuthing right. Uh, and lastly, just one quick detail. Not really an Easter egg, but sewage detail, if you don't remember, uh, is the exact job that Joel... Uh, agreed to in episode one wanted because he wanted it he wanted money <laughs> or he wanted i guess so you know or he wanted intel so he could traffic some shit so. right yeah so it's like but here clearly riley there'd be no benefit for for her, that post over another uh no. and it just sort of no. demeans yeah. kind of you know what they her. think of her right mm -hmm. uh i would have run away too i'll be honest with you so let's keep going here uh they arrive at the fourth wonder raja's arcade Pulled right from the video game. Uh, the most beautiful thing Ellie's ever seen. Riley spent an hour the day prior breaking open a quarter machine. And then Ellie sees it. 
the Mortal Kombat 2 machine. Ellie chooses um, Ray- Raiden. Yeah, I'm not a Mortal Kombat guy. I feel awful. Raiden. Uh, yeah. And Riley chooses, goes for Mylena. Uh, and after a couple of rounds uh, and a couple of fatalities, uh, they both scream in excitement. And in the distance, this wakes an infected stuck to the wall. Uh, and that was, that was a moment where I was like, even the way it's shot, I was like, this feels very Stranger Thing. This feels like... Like it's going. Yeah, the way you the know. pan, the way the way the camera goes, like it goes into the store yeah. on, a, on a straight dolly, lifts and goes over. It's like right? going into and the upside down. And then swoops around. Yeah, <laughs> it swoops around. So, yeah, it, it, it was uh, it was an interesting choice. That's for sure. So Riley tells her that they have to move to the next wonder, uh, but Ellie says she has to head back to bed as they have training in the morning. Uh, Riley says she got her a gift, and after walking through the back of the Macho Nacho. Um, to where Riley's been staying, she gifts Ellie with pun intended two uh, by Will Livingston. So now we know where she got the book. I thought that she picked up the book on the way, but I guess she got it from Riley. It was in her backpack the whole time. Uh, as they enjoy a few puns, Ellie interrupts Riley as she finds a bomb that was made to kill uh, fire or sorry Fedra soldiers. Riley tells Ellie that she'd never let them use them on her. And Ellie gets pissed off and starts to walk away. Riley tells her that she's leaving, and she's been sent to uh, she's been uh, set up to to go to a post in Atlanta in the Atlanta QZ. Uh, she asked if Ellie could join, but Marlene said no, and it's her last night in Boston. Ellie gets really upset that Riley's just leaving her again, uh, so she starts to walk away. But as she does, she regrets it. She heads back in. And starts hearing screams coming from across the mall. So before we get to those screams, Raja's arcade here, Justin. You've, mm-hmm. you know, I want to know. You've got unlimited quarters. What are you playing in Raja's arcade? Uh, and why do you think Ellie was so upset to see Riley fully invested in the Firefly lifestyle? Well, in regards to the arcade, um, I guess like there wasn't many system, like arcade systems that were actually working. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'd probably go to the Mortal Kombat. But that said, if they had a Marvel versus Capcom, I'd probably. There was be a Street Fighter. That. There's a Street Fighter in yeah. there. Would you be I'm down? Ta- but Marvel versus, Marvel versus Cap- Capcom. Yeah. Uh, Street Fighter, I would take as well, though. You're, yeah. you're right. I would probably take that. I, I, I'm like you. Um, I, I appreciated and played Mortal Kombat more with my cousins yeah. growing up. But I always thought it was a little too like over the top violent like it was interesting but like it was just unnecessary whereas at least i enjoyed street fighter there was more of a character and story that was built out around it so i'm well, with you plus Better. in street fighter you've got chun li you've Chun-Li. got e honda right like e honda ryan the relationship dalsim yeah. when he does no, yoga Dalsim's flame great. yoga uh, fire who's the, who's the who's the guy that goes uh, electricity <laughs> oh yeah, um, yeah yeah oh man it's gonna bother me blanca Blanca. Blanca. My mind was oh, going Blanca right. there, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no. in in regards to why Ellie is upset, I think it connects back to you know what she said last episode with people either dying or leaving her, mm-hmm. and what she said in the episode previous uh, to that to Sam, which is that she she's she doesn't want to be left alone. Yeah. So so clearly she she has a deep connection with Riley, and it's clear Ellie has these these feelings that are being left behind 
Let me let me tell you. Oh, just... <laughs> <laughs> he said the name of the thing um, in, in the sh- in the episode. Yeah. that's yeah. I guess. Listen, you, I yeah. have that written down somewhere along the way. I have it. Well, I have Justin, it at least okay? one more time. Later, All right, so, jeez. Yeah. Let's just say it every time. Um, but no, I think if I was left alone in in and didn't have a, a person I could play games with at Raj's arcade, I'd probably go for Tetris. Um, you know, I think the idea of walking away from that machine with the high score that's going to be there for the rest of forever because <laughs> no one else is playing on this machine. Like, I wouldn't even have to get really the highest score. I just have to beat the score that's currently there. You know mm. what I mean? So I'm just, I don't know. I think uh, I think that would be pretty dope. I've always only played it on, like, Game Boy. So. Um, by the way, creepy doll store. What a creepy doll store that that. It's like, was that the doll a, store uh, owner? Infected, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. course, the infected is, is hanging out in a creepy doll store. Creepy right? doll you know. store. Um, yeah. I love how does a computer get drunk? It takes screenshots and they're just like, what are screenshots? Screenshots. Cause yeah, like in 2003, great. that wasn't, yeah. people weren't really doing screenshots. Um, yeah. and then Justin, do you know what you call an alligator in a vest? We never got the answer. Do you know what you call it? No. An no. investigator. <laughs> I don't know if that's really a pun as much as it is just a, <laughs> like alteration of the wordplay <laughs> yeah all right well listen I, that's a fail <laughs> uh ellie runs as fast as she can only to discover that the screams are not coming from riley they're coming from an animatronic inside the fifth wonder of the mall a halloween store after sitting down with riley she explains that unlike ellie uh riley explains that unlike ellie she had a family before uh, and that she wants that again that maybe uh she matters to the fireflies Ellie says, you mattered to me first. Ellie asks her if she's sure about leaving, uh, and she says she is. So Ellie tells her she's going to miss her. Uh, And then they pop on some Etta James, I got you, babe, Uh, some Halloween masks, and they start dancing. Uh, Ellie takes off her mask, followed by Riley. Ellie just says, don't go. Riley says, okay. And Ellie kisses her. She instantly apologizes, but Riley says, for what? And then Ellie asks what they should do now, and Riley says, we're going to figure that out. So besides getting caught up in the moment, right, they're all dancing, they're getting sweaty in the masks, why do you think Ellie kissed her in this moment? Because she said she was going to stay. Duh. It's like the perfect romantic moment. Um, I feel like Ellie, this is the proof Ellie needed, though, uh, that Riley does care for her and does does actually... um, desire her in in a, in a way right and i think that's good for her she went for it she totally went for it i really liked this moment in that we get to see uh some of the moments play out through through from the dlc with the the halloween masks which were hella accurate they're like, like the exact same masks. like i guess i guess it, it like to the point of like you can obviously design these and yeah they already and, have costume the costume design and stuff like they have that the 3D so it's probably pretty easy to yeah. to do it so I appreciated the fact that though that they stuck to that and they kept those in there and incorporated a Halloween store and and made it you know very relevant. Well, and it's funny too because I was thinking that it made sense that it was a Halloween store because uh, the outbreak outbreak day was end of September, um, right. right? So like a spirit Halloween would be like right all over that. But mm. there's a sign inside the store that says Halloween all year long. So I'm wondering if it was a flagship Halloween you know spirit Halloween yeah, store probably. maybe mm-hmm. um, that was always there. Um, but I think this was Ellie 
ultimately just saying, I'm going to shoot my shot. I'm going to do my best here. I'm going to see what happens um, and tell you how I feel. Right. It's if you're going to leave, then might as well try. Uh, And I love I love like Bella Ramsey here, how big her smile is when Ellie realizes that Riley feels the same way. Like she just gets they both get giddy. Um, and, and there's this feeling between them that they could do anything they wanted now, uh, now that they know how the other one truly feels. And it's this really sad idea. I mentioned it earlier of fleeting love, right? They had, they had their entire life ahead of them, uh, together, mm-hmm. you know, no matter, you know, how much longer that was really going to be. Um, but unfortunately Ellie's biggest fear comes true here. And I love the writing as well in this scene. Um, you know, I mattered to them. You mattered to me first. It it just gives us, it, it just shows us how jealous Ellie is that Riley would pick a found family, right? People that she barely knows yep. over her best friend. But then, yeah, of course. but yeah. then she sort of comes to the realization that like, I guess there's this thing that people had called a family. And that was something that was still really important to Riley. So she's putting, she, 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 comes to that understanding but she's ultimately choosing riley's happiness over her own for sure and you can't miss what you didn't have right so ellie didn't have a family and she was an orphan and and so on she doesn't know what riley really speaks of and yeah the the reality is is that riley is her family but also like you're, you're pointing out too like i can appreciate this episode in contrast to bill and frank's uh given the fact that they had so much time with their love yeah. to to see it through and to to go through 20 years where we see young love here which is as you described fleeting uh that is short-lived in, in yeah. all honesty right imagine if riley imagine if if bill and frank hadn't died imagine if if um not riley if ellie saw that moment like they came they got there and ellie met these two these two guys that have had the ability to live and love for that long like that would have well, I think she gets the. I, I get what you're saying. I think that it, at least it might strike a chord with her. But I also think the Ellie that we're seeing with Joel right now is trying to forget about that and and leave it behind, if you will. <laughs> Make sure that it's left behind. Uh, oh, all right, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so then, the, listen. The two of them are suddenly attacked by specifically an infected stalker. Uh, stage two of the infection. Uh, and after uh, a back and forth fight between both Ellie and Riley, uh, Ellie stabs it in the head, finally killing it. Out of breath, Ellie lets out a celebratory, holy shit, until she realizes she's been bit. She looks over at Riley and she's also been bit. Ellie, frustrated by this, she smashes up the countertops uh, that they had just been dancing on. And Riley says they have two options. Option number one, they can take the easy way out, gesturing to her gun. Or option two, they could just keep going, whether it's two minutes or two days. They don't give up. They can just be all poetic and shit and lose their minds together. Ellie asks about option number three, and Riley just says, I'm sorry. And they hold each other tight as we cut back to Ellie in the kitchen, searching for anything to help Joel. She finds a thread and a needle and starts to sew him up. And that's the end of the episode. So, obviously, this was the big, big moment 
that we were waiting for, waiting to see how are they going to adapt it uh, from the DLC? How are they going to sort of show us this moment? What did you think of the way that this moment was adapted and the way they weaved it back and forth at the end? Um, yeah, like I think this, as we know, the D- DLC is 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 set as as flashbacks from when Ellie is looking after Joel, which is is you know again honored in this adaptation, um, and I think it's fantastic that they drew parallels between you know a decision that was made in the past and a decision that's being made in the present, and and finding yourself with the same sort of opportunity um, to maybe do it differently this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we don't see what happens after after they get bit they're debating on on what what to do but we don't really know how it plays out um but we know ellie will move on but it's it's interesting and just like in the dlc we're left to assume that that ellie would have had to have left riley to either die on her own like to kill herself or she had to do it herself Mm -hmm. um and, and and in the moments with joel Rather than her leaving there, she's, she's leaving his side. She's deciding to stay there and look after him and do what she can to save him because just like Riley, she cares about Joel, but just not necessarily on the more romantic scale. Sure. But yeah. just the idea that she doesn't need to leave him for him to get better because she doesn't know what's going to happen. Um, so I think it's just a great way to kind of tie uh, the character's past to her present and, and see. So I, I appreciate what they were what they were trying to do here and she could take a different path. Yeah, I think... In this moment, Ellie thinks she's dead, right? But obviously she'll come to realize that both of them are poetically losing their minds together. It's just Riley has to leave. And then I think the the worst part is, is like, even though Ellie won, like she won this night. She won. She professed her love, right? She She convinced Riley to stay with her. She killed the stalker. She did all of that. And yet she still loses. And you can see that frustration in her as she's taking out those countertops. Yeah. And I think it's such a fantastic performance from Bella where we see when she, as soon as she sees the bite on her arm, the guttural no that she builds up to in that moment is is really, really powerful. And I, I really thought that was such a great little bit of acting um, in that moment. And I think it also brings more context to the stalker that she stabbed under the rubble in episode three. Right. She'd just seen the Mortal Kombat arcade machine in that in that Cumberland Farms. And she's she's pissed about Tess, but she she's also literally just reminded of losing Riley to an infected that looks very similar to the Good one call. that right. And so yeah, th- I think sense. that plays into Yeah, we thought I was saying that it was because of Tess, but it's it's I th- probably think it's Riley. It all has to do with Riley. Yeah, yeah. Because he, she saw the arcade totally makes sense. Right. Um and the way they they go back and forth, they cut back and forth. You're right. Like it's it's Ellie learning for the first time that her biggest fear is that she doesn't want to be left behind. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, seeing them cut back and forth, she's, you know, we, we see in the moment with Joel, she's already learned that lesson. She's fighting as hard as she can to make sure she doesn't have to go through that with Joel, like you were saying. And I, you know, I think while it's a longer time span between moments, uh, you know, Joel and Ellie just the day before started, started understanding what their relationship could be to one another. And here it is again, getting ripped away from her right in front of her eyes. She just managed to get to a place with this other person that she feels, hey, we're, we're actually, we, we can probably actually make it in this world. And yeah. it's just an interesting you know, comparison to the exact situation with Riley where she's like, finally, we're, on, we're able to just 
be ourselves and and go live our lives and it's just stripped away from her so the fact that we you know they they show us that with joel in this moment i thought it was really really well done uh the way they sort of cut back and forth and really drew those comparisons out um so that is it for this episode uh got through it a little bit quicker uh like i did the dlc i think the dlc i played in one sitting um so on on a stream once and it was awesome um, but I want to know, what are your overall thoughts and final score for this episode, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five wonders of the mall? Yeah, I, I think this episode was good. You know, as we were mentioning, this feels very much like a beat by beat replay of the DLC with some new elements. But I don't know if it was enough to make it worthwhile. Um, I, I was looking forward to this episode and, and maybe that's on me for having such high expectations, but I just was hoping that they would do something different. And I thought that that's kind of what they were doing with this series, you know, especially given the liberties that, that we've seen that the show has taken with, with other parts. I think I was just expecting maybe something that felt a little bit different from You wanted from to the see the of, moment. You wanted to see the moment that Ellie had to go through. If it was there, because I think it still implies like, did she Right, actually, we don't know. We don't know. She could have just left her. Well, because she Riley says, could have said, she said "I got to do this." She said that she has shot someone before, right? So was right. was that was that telling us that it was Riley? I guess I get that. Exactly. What you're saying though, it's like it's left up in the air, and it's and it I, is. I guess it in is. in this instance, you're sort of left wondering as a viewer, well, why is it left up in the air? Is there a reason yeah. for it? And we'll have to wait and see what uh, Neil or Craig or Liza might say uh, in the upcoming podcast that they're going to do for but, sure. But yeah, for sure, and and you know like. Uh, just like episode two and episode five, I feel like this episode is more of a straightforward video game adaptation. Mm. It feels like it's a lot of the elements are in the context are just adapted straight from the game, uh, even just from an experience standpoint. But I think, again, what you have with with episodes two and five are some emotional hits at the end that really just make you go, whoa, there's things that I do appreciate. You know, I appreciate them continuing the overall theme of love and fear, the connection that the two have. It's beautifully captured in how Ellie fears, you know, uh, fears Riley leaving her and her her frustration and, and being alone and you know that mirrored and, and juxtaposed really well with Bill and Frank's story and the longevity that their relationship has had um, you know so I, I appreciate that I love that they tied in the flashback into the present timeline as a way for Ellie to kind of you know, take a different path and, and discover something new for herself. Storm Reed was great. Uh, this is the typical slowdown episode that we see before we get into the final episodes where hopefully things get really amped up uh, and we, we see something that will, you know, that will take us to the end and to the finale. Uh, but that said, I'm going to be giving this episode a 3.5 out of 5 wonders of them all. So not the, f you don't get a lot of arcade, you get like a little bit of arcade. Maybe or or would that be the or is that the fourth wonder? I can't remember how many what what wonder was what. Um, I don't think this is the best bottle episode of the series, obviously. Um, but for a lot of the reasons that you're saying you didn't enjoy it, uh, I did, <laughs> and so I'm a huge fan of the Left Behind DLC, and I think they adapted it. I thought it was perfect, and I think the tricky part about it, Justin, is that this story, this is this is the Ellie origin story. Right. This is so much of what happens in this story is is the the makeup of Ellie. And so to to deviate too far from it, I, I understand what you're saying. It would have been interesting, but I also get why they played it a little bit safer as well. I think. Sure. But I also think, though, that this is a better playable DLC than it is an adapted story in some sure. ways, because it doesn't necessarily push 
it being really an origin, it stays true to this idea of being ambiguous and being unclear with exactly how things played out. And I get it from a video game standpoint, but this this episode is focused on their relationship. I get that. That's that's obviously super important and we don't need to see it. It can just be assumed that she did kill her, but there's just such an opportunity mm-hmm. with tying back this whole theme of losing your love and the fear of that and having to do that. I think there's just, it would have tied really well into everything else. Yeah, right? for sure. And, and and I get it. Like, I think I, you're exactly the person I thought of. I'm like, oh, Nate's going <laughs> to love this episode because he, he you love the game, right? Yeah. So, and I think people who love this game are going to love this episode and it is for them. But again, it was, it was more fan service than anything else. Yeah, I, th- I think though, I think the subtle changes... And I think specifically the performances, the killer soundtrack, uh, really built this episode up for me. Uh, it's it's an Easter egg hunt for the eyes. Uh, the episode is so well shot, um, and and just another example of Ellie learning her terrible truth that follows her throughout her entire journey. And Storm Reed instantly likable as Riley. There's such a great chemistry on screen, uh, and it it I think it it makes it harder uh, to know, you know, as you're watching it, what happens to them at the end as you're going along and you're sort of like, I really like these representations of these characters. It just makes it really difficult to know what's coming uh, if you had played the the DLC prior. Um, I think it was a brilliant idea to see, again, her forced to let go of someone she loves in the flashback while she's doing everything she can to not let it happen in the current timeline, I, I really like that. Uh, and it brought my score up a little bit, just that those final moments. Uh, I think this was another great episode this week. So I'm also going to give it, uh, or I'm, I'm going to be giving it a solid four out of five. Wonders of the mall. No escalators. I'm sorry, Ellie. Uh, there are no escalators in, <laughs> in this score. Uh, but that is it for this week's Watch Club for HBO's The Last of Us. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, uh, well, Justin, uh, let's let's beat the high score. Let's get a fatality uh, so that you can let our listeners know how they can reach us outside of their QZ. Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and games, uh, including our recent Marvel Phase 4, uh, 1 to 4 recap, uh, where we discussed our thoughts on the MCU so far and where we hope to see it go next, as well as our spoiler-free review for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Plus, we have some interviews from the cast and crew of the movie. Justin sat down with Catherine Newton, uh, who plays Cassie in the film. Uh, and I had the chance to sit down with Peyton Reed, the director of what I'm calling the Ant-Man trilogy. Uh, so check those out. Subscribe to us on, on this podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. And we're also on TikTok at We Are Geekcentric. We've got some great stuff planned for 2023 and beyond. Um, so definitely click all the things, follow our social medias. We might do giveaways. Uh, we had a very successful giveaway, uh, for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, uh, where we gave away some tickets to go see the, uh, the, in, at the premiere in, in Toronto, um, or Toronto, depending on where you're from. Um, but Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this watch club. And as we say, when you're lost in the darkness, look for the light. <laughs> <laughs>